Mac Power Users, episode 453, 30 under 30. Hello, everyone. It's David Sparks along with my pal, Katie Floyd. How are you today, Katie? I'm well, David. How are you? Good. This is one of those episodes that we don't do too often, but I always enjoy them. And um, we were both looking at the number of apps that we have and some of the stuff we like that we hadn't had a chance to really talk about much on the show. And we realized a bunch of them were under $30. So we put together a list of 30 apps under $30. And today we are going to cost you money. I always hoped that I would be on a 30 under 30 list, but um, the chances of that happening now are nil. You see these lists, like here are 30 great people under 30? Mm-mm. Nope, never happened. Maybe I could land on a list of 30 people with that have the um, the uh, inner child of 12-year-old inside them. I could be on that list. I think I'd fit right in there, yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, so we've got 30 apps. we got thir- under $30, and we got some time here to get through it. So I think we should just go for it. All right. Um, so I was picking like 30 app-related things under $30. So I also picked, um, which we may talk more about subscriptions a little bit later in the year. I have that on my list of things that I want to talk about more. It, it, so I'm going to, I'm going to just jump right in here and go first. Do you mind? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Um, so I picked an in-app subscription that is, uh, under $30. It's a uh, nine ninety nine, Uh, and it's one of the things that, uh, gives me a lot of joy. It's probably one of my most used apps and it is overcast. And we talk a lot about overcast on the show, but it's specifically the overcast subscription that I, um, subscribe to year after year. And the reason it's kind of top of my mind is it just recently, uh, re-upped for me. And I got the, got the charge on my, um, iTunes account recently and I, which brought it top of mind. And, you know, Marco has been incredibly generous recently with the uh, with the Overcast subscription and the in-app purchases and what he gives you. And he added ads to Overcast of a couple of versions ago. Was it with a version 3.0? I don't remember. And so you can get almost all of the features of Overcast now for free if you're willing to have ads in the app. Uh, and you can even turn on the ads if you want, because a lot of the ads in Overcast or for are for podcasts. So you can actually um, some people actually find the ads in Overcast not obtrusive um, and actually helpful because you might want to, you know, if you're listening to podcasts and app, you might be interested in learning more about podcasts. But if you subscribe to Overcast for nine ninety nine a year, uh, you um, you get to turn off the ads. And the the big additional feature that you get is you get the ability to upload files into Overcast. And I really like this. Uh, I think it is still the I think it is the only feature currently that Marco has put behind the paywall. So if you really don't want to pay, you can get um, most of the features just by, you know, kind of paying by viewing the ads. But I like the ability to be number one, to pay and support the development, but also to be able to um, turn off the ads. Not a big fan of ads in my app, but also to be able to upload um, things to Overcast because I love the ability to be able to use smart speed and to be able to um, uh, smart speed is where they uh, intelligently remove silences in podcasts or in spoken word content. So you can speed up uh, the way that you listen to things without actually um, adjusting the audio in any way. And you can also, if you want to adjust the audio so that you can listen to something at anywhere from, you know, one X all the way, I think up to three X and higher if you wanted to. And so I use this a lot when I'm listening to uh, like classes or lectures or uh, continuing education events or things like that. So I can get through them a whole lot faster. You know, I used the podcast native app throughout the beta for iOS 12. 
because I just wanted to, you know, they had the thing where you could play podcasts on your watch and just a bunch of stuff that, you know, wasn't in the, the other applications yet. Um, when iOS 12 released, I just recently switched back to Overcast and it's like going back home. I mean, there's so many nice features in that app that just will never make it into the Apple application. And, uh, and also Marco did a really good job, I would say on Siri shortcuts. It's if you want to automate podcast listening or attach some voice commands to playing the Mac power users, for instance, uh, you can do that very easily with Overcast. So I, I think there's a lot to love about that app. Yeah, so I have a quick bit of follow up. I talked about I was having trouble specifically with my HomePod playing podcasts through Overcast using Siri shortcuts. And everybody said that there was a way to make this work, but I couldn't figure out how to make it work. And I have now figured out the secret magical incantation workaround for doing that. And if you go into the shortcuts app, this was my problem. I was going into the shortcuts app, which seems intuitive. I went to the shortcuts app and was creating my shortcuts. So I created a number of shortcuts. Like I have a, I have a playlist where I could play a certain playlist or I could play all podcasts or whatever I want to do, or I could play certain podcasts. And so you have to create those shortcuts. Marcos make it really easy to do. And if I was playing the, uh, playing the shortcut based on shortcuts that I created within the shortcuts app, and calling that command from my HomePod, then the audio was playing from the speakers on my iPhone, which was kind of annoying because I'd have the iPhone sitting on the bar in my kitchen and I'd call out to the HomePod in my kitchen to, um, you know, play podcasts and it would, but it would start playing on my, my phone. Kind of defeats the point, right? <laughs> yeah. I was like, so how do I get this to play on my HomePod? So the weird trick, and I, I, this sounds bizarre is to not is to delete the shortcuts out of your shortcut app or or one or two the specific shortcuts that you want to do this with and then go into settings and then go into Siri and then add the shortcuts from the the list of suggested shortcuts because there are a couple of different ways that you can add shortcuts. And so if you go into the settings menu and then into Siri and then add the shortcut from there, you'll probably see it as a suggested shortcut or you can search and re-add the shortcut from there. For whatever reason, when you do it there, then it works. I cannot explain to you why. It is completely unintuitive. I don't know if it's a bug or if it's a feature. I heard from a guy who knows a guy that it's a bug. And the um because that's not just happening with um with the podcast players. There's some other apps like some of my timing scripts do the same thing and it's it's really frustrating. It's like, come on, man. He told us this would all work on on the HomePod, and so the uh, I, I know that they're aware of it, and hopefully that gets resolved. This is just maybe an early day, early adopter problem, but that is the solution for now. Just and and we um we've talked about Siri shortcuts off and on on the show, but, but there are different ways to make shortcuts, and that's one of the confusing things about it. You know, Workflow was just an app; you did everything in the app. But now, in addition to making shortcuts in the Shortcuts app, you've also got ways to access them not only in the the settings app under the Siri tab, but you've also got ways that they just appear naturally. If you do them enough, they show up on the, you know, in the notification center. So um, those, those are treated differently by the operating system as the ones in the app. And uh, uh, I wish I didn't have to say that. And I wish it was less confusing. All right. Um, well, my first pick is a productivity app that I've been spending a lot of time with lately called Bear. And it's a notes app that I made reference to in the recent uh, developer show, got Katie's dander up a little bit. Um, 
but the uh, it's it's interesting. You know, I, I'm a big fan of Apple Notes. I like what Apple's done with it, but I felt like I was getting comfortable using Apple Notes. I wanted to see you know how the other side was living, and Bear is the one that so many people are using these days. And the, there's a couple of reasons I went over to it. Uh, one was automation. Um, Bear is more automation friendly than Notes is. I mean, one of the things I always liked about Notes is it's embedded in the operating system, so you can't get you know deeper integration than that. But when it comes to automation, Apple just hasn't gone very far. Whereas with Bear, I can create notes. I can grab like like when I want to do something on an app, I have a an automation shortcut that pulls the app icon out of the app store and saves it to a bear note for me. So I've just got the icon available to me when I go to write. Um, I also like visually how it looks. They have different themes. So you can have a dark theme, a light theme, and a variety of different themes. It all works in Markdown. I like to write in Markdown. So that's kind of nice. And um, it was fairly uh, easy to export my notes from Apple Notes and import them in. Uh, there is a converter app. I'll, uh, I'll put it in the show notes where you can download the uh, the Apple Notes as Markdown and then go ahead and import them into the uh, into Bear. Uh, it's a little scary because now I've, I just put everything in there and started working from Bear about a month ago. And so now, of course, the Bear data is much better than the Apple Notes data. It's more current. But if I wanted, I could always export it. You know, I, I can see and bear the stuff I've worked on in the last month. I, I could unwind this if I had to, I guess. Uh, but it's looking like I probably won't. And that's $15 a year. It's a subscription as well. And uh, bear, it's kind of fun. Well, I'm sure I'll talk about it again on the show in the future and give more details about what I'm doing with it. But just checking in. It's a pretty cool little notes app. I like the way it's done. And so remind me why you decided to move away from Apple Notes. Because I wanted to mix things up and, and I wanted the automation. I mean, I'm, do, I'm doing a lot of serious shortcuts. Because you felt like development of Apple Notes has stalled? Did I say that? I think you did. I don't know. I, I feel I know. like someone might have um, warned you of that a yeah, while ago. Did I eat ago. crow right now? I might have just ate a crow and not even realized it. Yes. I, I feel like there's, there might be audio on that somewhere that we could pull. <laughs> yeah. so. I, I'm certain there is. <laughs> But anyway, so Bear, fifteen bucks a year, and uh, pretty nice app. And they've got and they've got a Mac and iOS, and you know they've got versions on all the different platforms. So you know you're good. And interestingly, I believe it uses iCloud as a background for syncing, which is just fine. It works good. So I'm going to continue my kind of trend, and I think this is the last one of these that I have. But I want to pick another um, another in-app subscription, still under thirty bucks. It's a uh, twenty bucks a year. So both of my in-app subscriptions total thirty bucks a year. So that's pretty close. Uh, I actually canceled this subscription, and then in less than a month, I I re because I didn't think it was doing anything, and I reactivated it. And so that is Nomo Robo. Nomo Robo is the spam call blocking app. And perhaps it was completely coincidental, but about a year ago, I was having just all of these problems with spam and and robocalls, and I I just, I continue to be so frustrated by this problem. The the carriers really need to do something about this, but until they do, at least I'm on Verizon, they haven't done a whole lot about it, or I think there's something I could pay for that they'll do something with, but I, I realize I'm paying for this app now, but... Um, it, it just, it got really bad about a year ago. And so I started trying these various call blocking apps and Nomo Robo was the one that I finally settled on. And I, I got to the point where I felt like it really wasn't doing anything because I wasn't seeing that it was blocking a whole lot of calls. 
And so I decided when it came time for the subscription to renew, I got the warning that said, hey, your subscription is about to renew. So I decided, you know what? Hey, I can I can save 20 bucks a year. I'm, I'm pretty frugal. I'm just I'm not going to do that now. So I canceled the subscription. And it seems like almost immediately, and again, perhaps it was coincidental, I started getting a rash of these spam calls again. So I don't know whether it was coincidental. I don't know whether um, Novo Robo was really blocking some of these calls and I just didn't know it. But I went ahead and I said, well, maybe this is a fluke. I'm just, I, I re-signed up for a month and the call stopped again. And I said, okay, well, that's that's weird. Even if it's just karma or coincidence at this point, I'm going to go ahead and just sign up for the year because for 20 bucks, I can't, I, I mean, it was multiple calls a day was this hassle that was going on. So uh, I, I resubscribed for 20 bucks and I got to say, I guess maybe knock on wood, the uh, the problem seems to have stopped again. I do still get those occasional um, spoof calls where someone will call you and the, the first, um, the area code and the first three digits will be the same area code and three digits of your number. And Nomo Robo says it, it can't block those, but it does flag up a warning so that you know that those are spam calls. But uh, otherwise I haven't gotten the, the, the horrible spam calls that I've been getting before. You know, a future um, feature request for Apple's iPhone would be, if you are not in my contact database, go directly to message. Because it knows whether you're in the contact database, it puts up the name and all that. But just have the phone say, okay, this person, this number is not in David's contact database, put them into message. And that would solve this problem for a lot of us. I, I've got the practice now. I haven't signed up for no more robo. I probably should because I do get interrupted by spam calls quite often. But for me, I just, if the phone rings and it's not a number that has a name attached to it, I just don't pick it up. And um, like four out of five times, there's no message left because it was a spam call. And then the fifth time I'll listen to the messaging at the person in my database or whatever. But it, it is interesting. I, I feel like that would probably work for 90% of my calls, but there is still maybe that 10%, maybe 20% of calls that you do get that are legit calls and they're not people you have in your number. And then the other thing, thing is the spammers have got so good at spoofing local numbers on you, you know, putting together a number. Usually not only does it have my same area code, it has the first three digits almost every time as my phone number. No, that's a, that's a thing. That's a, they're, they're spoofing your number. And, and changing because they they found that most people are much more likely to pick up because they think it's somebody that they know, especially a lot of families, when they all got their family plans together and got phones, got phones that are very similar numbers. Uh, I hate those guys so much. But the uh, um, but I just to me, that's like now it's like a warning flag. As soon as I see my first three digits, I'm like, oh, yeah, spam. OK, I don't need to take this one. Um yeah, I think that's a good idea. Sadly, we do have to spend money uh, to protect ourselves, and that's one more way. So my next pick is kind of an interesting one. I think we're going to do a show on this in the future at some point because I've really taken to this thing. Uh, the problem I have is uh, I can't do everything myself. You know, I've got uh, two different businesses, and uh, trying to do it all myself is too often the bottleneck. And I've been looking at ways over the last year, as I talk about on this show and my various other platforms, uh, ways to kind of get some of the stuff off my plate that doesn't need me involved with it. And a lot of it involves databases. And I'm really great at Apple numbers, and I've never been tempted to leave Apple numbers because I like the way it looks. It's powerful enough for me. And then just recently, for a variety of reasons, I have spent a little more time with Airtable. 
And Airtable is an online database program that you find at Airtable.com. And there was a couple things going into it. I'd always resisted it because I'm like, I don't want to spend a monthly subscription for a database when I have Apple numbers on my computer already and it's free and it syncs over to my iPad and there's no problems. But then I actually looked into the pricing plans and the free tier of Airtable is really powerful. With it, you get an unlimited number of databases with up to 1,200 records per database and two gigabytes of attachments per database, not overall, but per database, which for me is fine. I mean, the stuff I'm working on is usually in the hundreds, never in the thousands. Uh, they, they do have payment plans. If you go up to $10 a month, it's you get 5,000 records per database or $20, you get 50,000. But I don't need databases that big. And um, so I realized, oh, wait, the free tier works just fine for me. And the things I like about it are it's a nice, clean user interface. They've got an app for iOS so I can access my data from anywhere. And it's great for the people that I'm collaborating with. You know, I have people that help me out with some of my uh, legal stuff and some of my Max Sparky stuff. And I've got a bunch of databases that I had put together in numbers. And I I am intentionally calling them databases, by the way, not spreadsheets, because I kind of think of them as databases more than spreadsheets. They're not there really to calculate interest as much as they are to help me just track a lot of information. And so for the last month or so, I've been using this Airtable. I've got them shared with the appropriate people where I can give them some job related to it. And they can go in and make the changes and do what they need to without having access to my numbers, you know, file. And um, it's very automation friendly. You know, I've, I've, I've upgraded to a Zapier account, Katie. We're going to talk about that at some point. But Zapier and Airtable are big friends. So when things happen in my life, I can have hooks between Zapier and Airtable where the database gets updated automatically. Or when something updates in a database, all, this, all sorts of things happen all over the Internet for me. And I've just been really pleased with this experiment. You know, I did it kind of begrudgingly because I like numbers so much. But for a lot of the work I do, and especially the work I do that involves other people, Airtable is really scratching the itch. Give me a general idea. So you're, what type of information are you putting in here besides, you know, things that you want to do and, and things that you want to share that you couldn't do like in a Google spreadsheets or, or are they just a whole lot more complicated or? Well, I mean, I could do it in a Google spreadsheet, but then I, I don't want to. Um, uh, like, for instance, I have... Um, on the legal side, I have a bunch of California companies and LLCs I represent. And there's some stuff that the state does that they send this mail to my clients. If my mail, my clients miss that mail, it ends up costing them a $250 fine. And it's something that I don't, I can't have sent to me. They send it to the client. So I've had a couple clients get caught in this trap. So now I have my assistant go through, I created a debate database with the name of each one. And my assistant go online and check that every quarter. And so I can have, uh, catch that for clients before they get caught in that trap, you know, and I don't want to have, you know, so I can do that with this online database with the, um, with the next field guide I'm working on. I have a bunch of planning stuff I'm doing and they're all video files. And I've got some people that are helping me out with some of the post-production stuff. And I have a checklist for each little video that I'm doing for it. And so everybody can have access to the same data. If I update it on my end, they see it on their end. Um, just stuff like that. Does that help? Yeah, no, it makes sense. And I could do it with a Google Doc. And I was thinking about it when I was thinking about solving this problem. I was thinking inevitably I'd have to use a Google spreadsheet for it. But um, Airtable is more attractive. Uh, I like the automation stuff they do. And 
it's it's the same price, you know, and uh, I'm not totally excited about throwing all of my business stuff into Google. So um, I don't know. It's, it's been a really good experience for me. You know how sometimes you uh, you get a pleasant surprise when you try a web service. Airtable has been that way for me. Hey, let's take a minute to talk about our first sponsor of the show. And we're really happy to have this new sponsor, Luna Display. Um, the Luna is the only hardware solution that turns your iPad into a wireless display for your Mac. And if you use the promo code POWER, all caps, P-O-W-E-R, at checkout, you get 10% off. Now, when I heard Luna was going to sponsor our show, I was really excited because they, they said, well, you know, you're going to sponsor the show. We're going to send you one. You can try it out. I said, you don't need to send me one. I already bought it. I was one of the initial backers of this when they did their first Kickstarter campaign because I thought it was a great idea. And I've had it since oh, for months now since they sent me the original. And I love this device. So what... Uh, Luna does is it turns an iPad into a wireless display for your Mac. It's a little red dongle. You just plug into a USB port on the back of your Mac. And then you've got this super portable second display with stunning image quality and basically zero lag. And I've been using this in my house. I talked on the show about how I don't have a, a laptop anymore, but I can access my iMac uh, from my Luna display and it works just fine that way. I love this thing. Um, setting it up is simple. You'll be up and running in seconds with everything working over Wi-Fi. And if you don't have access to a Wi-Fi connection, you can connect directly with USB. Like I said, it's really simple. Uh, Luna Display also acts as a complete extension to your Mac. It supports external keyboards, as well as the Apple Pencil and touch interactions. It basically turns your Mac into a touchscreen device. Uh, I use it not only next to my Mac, but I use it away from my Mac. And it's just really expanded the ability to get the power of my iMac with the portability of my iPad. So I, I'm really happy with this device. I, I've been using it for a while now. Uh, if you want to get one on your Mac, head over to the, uh, the link we're going to give you in the show notes. That's lunadisplay.com and use the promo code POWER, P-O-W-E-R, at checkout. It gets you 10% off. You'll get it cheaper than I did. I don't mind. Get it. It's totally worth it. So just once again, go to lunadisplay.com and enter the code POWER, P-O-W-E-R, at checkout and find out how you can turn your iPad into your remote Mac. Uh, our thanks to Luna Display for the support of this show and all of Relay FM. So I upgraded to Mojave, and uh, there was kind of a little bit of a surprise that didn't get announced when Mojave came out. And that was a feature that I pretty regularly used called Back to My Mac, and the built-in screen sharing support was gone. It just wasn't there anymore. And I think this came out uh, a f shortly before um, the public release of Mojave, but you know I was already in it. I was in the beta and I was like, is this on purpose? Was this just a thing that they haven't gotten to in the beta yet? What's going on here? And they're like, no, 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 it's on purpose. This is a thing that we're doing. Uh, I don't know why Apple made this decision, but they did make the decision. Um, back to my Mac and screen sharing always worked pretty reliably for me. I tell you, I used it a lot. Just a lot of it I was using just within my house, but I would regularly use it to like remote between um, my computer at work or my computer at home or even just the computer that's sitting on my desk and the computer that's the Mac mini that's sitting in my closet uh, because it's a headless Mac mini. That would be really the only way that I would, would get in it and see what was going on. And so it was something that I probably used a, a couple of times a week and it worked well for me. And so I thankfully I already had um, 
an, another tool that I could use on. Uh, and so I just fired up screens and that has worked really well for me. But for people who don't have access to screens, that is pretty much the recommendation that I'm making as a, a replacement for anybody who was using these features uh, in prior versions of the operating system. And it's really just a good tool to have on your Mac. So Screens for Mac uh, is $29.99. Uh, it just meets our threshold for 30 under 30. And you can use it to uh, VNC into your Mac, and I believe into a PC or any other device. It just is a is a VNC client. And it has all of the functionality that Apple screen sharing did and a whole lot more because it will do things like it will remember the network, it will save passwords, it will allow you to copy and paste the clipboard back and forth. It is just a full-fledged um, VNC controller for your Mac. So I've been happy with it. Yeah, I... I um... I have used screens for some pretty advanced computing stuff. I, I was in London and I needed to apply some styles to a Word document because Microsoft in its infinite wisdom still does not let you change styles in Word on iPad. And I, it was kind of funny. I, I was sitting in a hotel in London. I VNC'd home using screens to my iMac, made the changes in Word on my iMac, and then then you know closed the VNC and finished it up on the iPad and sent it through. And just like it's one of those moments where you stop and think that is completely bananas. I just went halfway around the world to change, you know, a font <laughs> and it was not that hard. They have something called Screens Connect, which is a little helper app that you can install on your Mac that will um, basically it, it takes care of all the DNS for you. So especially if you have a um, if you don't have a static IP address, it, it will help you make that connection on your various devices so that you know that you can connect to them when you're. Um, not around. Um, they also, uh, they can support file transfers and, and they also have a feature called Screens Express, which I haven't, um, I haven't used yet, but it allows you to basically do uh, easy sharing with other family members. So, and so they can download that free utility and um, then you can connect to their computers with it. So it's kind of a, a one-way screen sharing thing. And I've tried several other VPN clients, you know, as part of books or other projects I've been working on. And I would, I would endorse Katie's statement. I think screens is really the one. If you, if you need to set up a VPN, you, you can't go wrong. V VNC, not, not a VPN. I'm sorry, VPN. VNC. VPN is a whole different thing. That's a different thing. Different abbreviation. Yes. Uh, okay. I've got one. It's a, this one was a sponsor years ago on MPU, but it's still an app that I use almost every day and it's $15 on iOS. They do have a Mac version too. I didn't look at their pricing on that. That may be over 30, but the, um, but you could get away with it just on iOS and that's MindNote. It's the simple mind mapping app for all of us. I love it so much because I really believe in this whole cooking ideas thing we talked about on the show years ago, but opening up existing projects that you're working on and just adding little bits and pieces to it every day is a great way to plan a difficult project. My next field guide, my next video field guide is in production now. And by in production, it means I'm spending a bunch of time researching it and going to my node every day. And then I'll be sitting around and think of one more thing I want to add to the video and I'll just open up my note. I'll think of a funny joke or a sample I want to use. I'll add it to my note. And, and all of this stuff happens with my note that is on all my devices. It's on my phone and my iPad and getting into it and out of it is simple. And to think about how much of my planning goes into this little $15 app is kind of crazy. But if you haven't tried mind mapping or if you tried it and you thought it was too complex for you, 
MindNode is probably the answer you're looking for. It's a very simple to use app, but it's very powerful at the same time. Um, and I did a bunch of videos on them. I'll put a link in the show notes. So if you need a little help getting started with it, I did some videos for the the company to to show how to use their application. But it's 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 a powerful tool if you're spending your time thinking about future projects. So, uh, do you use most of your mind mapping these days on iOS? I know I know you go back and forth, but it seems like that's you've always liked doing that on iOS because you can kind of touch the screen and manipulate things. There's kind of more of a direct connection with your ideas, if that makes sense. Yeah, I never really understood mind mapping until I ha- I did it on an iPad. And it just feels to me like it's the kind of thing I do away from my desk, probably more than at my desk. And and I can go on my Mac and fiddle with it if I want to. But And, and the next field guide is about a Mac app. So I'm spending more time with the Mac on that than usual. But but I really feel like, I don't know, it's like sitting in a comfy chair at Starbucks or even on my couch, you know, just those are the times when opening that mind map feels really creative to me. And I feel like I get the best information into it. So uh, I really do prefer it on the iPad. Well, I'm going to try to do a two for one here. I talked about screens for Mac a moment ago. I am going to also make a, another pick of screens for iOS because um, we talked about uh, the Mac app having screens on your Mac to allow you to VNC into other Macs. But the use case that you identified, which I think is sometimes even more important, is being able to get from an iOS app or your iOS device that you have into a Mac. Um, And that only works if you have screens for iOS. Those are two separate apps. So screens for Mac allows you to launch it on your Mac and go from computer to computer. Screens for iOS allows you to launch it on your iOS device and go from iOS device to computer, which is a, it's just as powerful, but has, a, I think, a lot more practical applications because what it will let you do is it will let you, you know, travel somewhere with just your iOS device. But if you do find yourself for a very limited use case here or there that you need the power of a Mac, be able to VNC back into a Mac that is, uh, you know, powered on and, and ready to go somewhere. So screens for iOS is nineteen ninety nine, and it's another powerful uh, tool that you should add to your tool belt. I kind of feel like you cheated a little bit there. Oh, I may do it again. <laughs> okay. Fair notice. <laughs> All right. The uh I uh so this year was uh fun for me. I got to make my own office, you know, build out my own home office. And I felt like Katie, I did a pretty good job on Mac Power Users of not like turning this into David's home office uh podcast. Right? I didn't I didn't go at it too bad, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, well, I'll take that as a yes. But there is one app I want to share that I I enjoyed so much as I was getting this put together, and it's called Home Design 3D, and it's an iOS app. Uh, I don't think they make a Mac version, but it's a uh, and they, there's two different versions of it. Uh, I got the gold version, which is ten dollars, big investment, right? And it it is a three dimensional or two dimensional kind of room layout and house layout planning. Uh, application. It's very easy to to put it together. And with the gold version, it's got a ton of three-dimensional assets built into it, like textures for uh, floorings and wall colors and furniture in a variety of types. It's, they've got some really bizarre furniture in there that they've 3D modeled. But uh, I was able to kind of put together my virtual office using this. And not only can you use, with the gold version, can you use their textures, you can also import your own. So like I have a cork floor 
When I found the cork I wanted, I took a picture of it and imported that picture into home design, and then it became the texture of the floor in my little um, three-dimensional office on my iPad. When I figured out the exact color of paint I wanted, I did the same thing. And also for, I, I put like the stonework in my office and I got it at Home Depot and I just took a picture of it at Home Depot and then I imported it in to the home design app. So as I went through the design process, it got more and more accurate to what I was ultimately going to make. And it allowed me to like play with where I'm going to put the furniture and what kind of color combinations and just all of that stuff. If you want to be fiddly about something you're designing and when you get it set up, you push a button and it goes three-dimensional. You can actually go into the room and move around in the room and kind of get a feel for how it would work. And it's funny because I did that a lot more than I probably re rationally should have. But now that I'm actually in this space, it feels just like it did in the app. I mean, the app did a really good job of kind of giving me a sample of what I was about to do. And I'm really happy with the way the office came out. And this was not the first design. You know, I went through a lot of things where I would get into that three-dimensional view and not really like the feel of it. So I, I feel like um, the application really helped me uh, a lot in the planning of the design. So it's 10 bucks if you've got a room or if you're doing some work on your house or your office. Uh, I think this is the one you want to get. I don't know. Um, I don't know what I have to plan for a project like that. So I don't know what use case I would have for that at this point, but it seems like a good tool to have for something that you need. I'm a big fan of laying out, um, this is a very analog solution, uh, laying out newspaper on the floor, on the walls when I'm planning out something, because it helps you visualize things. Wait, you, oh, you put newspaper out to represent the walls? No, to like represent where, like how big things are going to be. So you cut out newspaper and say, okay, this is, this is, this is how much space this is going to take up. This is how much space this is like going to take up. Like the desk and the, all that stuff. Yeah. So then you can walk around the space. I mean, you could also do it with tape or whatever, but see. Yeah. Well, see, the, the problem I had when I was doing this design is my daughter was still occupying the room and it was a, it was a teenager room. So it always looked like a bomb had just exploded in this room anytime I walked in there. And, uh, and she had way more stuff in here than then it was appropriate for the space. So I just didn't have the ability to kind of work in the space until um, I, the construction started. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I never worked with the design app before, but I tried a bunch of them uh, when I was doing this project. And this one immediately was clearly the winner to me. Yeah, I may have talked about it before, so I'm sorry if you've heard this one before. No, but, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. But it, it's, a, it's a good one. Um, so the other one that I'm going to pick is I think it's like one that we've talked about before, but I don't know that I've talked about it recently. And that is deliveries. Uh, they've got both a, a Mac and an iOS app. I was going to combine them into two different picks, but since you shamed me before, I'll, I'll come up with a different pick. It's fine. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Originally, this was 25 and 25. And I was like, oh, well, now what am I going to do? But um, so deliveries is the kind of the full fledged app that will allow you to track just about anything. And it will allow you to put all of the tracking numbers and the information that you have uh, for your various tracking numbers, whether it's uh, USPS, whether it's FedEx, um, whether it's DHL or any of the various tracking services and put them in the app. Uh, and it will track and tell you what to expect and the information will show up on your iPhone. And if you have the companion Mac app, um, it used to be a dashboard widget. And I think they do still have their dashboard widget, but um, 
Uh, you can also now use it in Notification Center. And it's a quick one-stop shop for you to see all of the things you have coming. I mention this now because it is particularly useful to me during the holiday season, because I think the last two holidays now, uh, I will proudly say that I did all of my holiday shopping online, did not go out into the craziness once for the stores, and it was wonderful. And uh, the deliveries app is what kept track of all of that um, for me. You can also, a uh, great thing about it is when, if you sign up for their free June Cloud Sync service, um, June uh, is the name of the developer who does it, you can um, forward your delivery uh, confirmation emails to a, a special email address that you've registered with them, and then they will um, automatically show up. So when you get an Amazon receipt or if you get a Best Buy receipt or something like that that has a tracking number in, for, in it, you forward it to their, their sync service, and then that information will automatically show up um, without, you know, in a few minutes without you having to do anything. So you don't have to manually, because it's so hard, copy and paste and put the information in the app. And it's not really that hard, but it's just one less thing you have to do. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you on deliveries. Uh, last year, I thought I was going to find deliveries replacement because, you know, I get fidgety that way and I wanted to see what else was out there. And I bought several of the competitors and that, you know what, delivery still wins. It's like June cloud just kills it. And um, uh, we're heading into the holiday season. This is a great time to, to set that app up. Yeah. So my thing is, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Do you ever... Um, like when deliveries, like I, I, when my Apple Watch got shipped to me, it was like in China, and then it went like up and over. It's deliveries gives you a map showing you that it got like checked in in Alaska, but then it went to like Tennessee before it came back to California. That's the only frustrating thing with deliveries. It's it gives you so much information that you're like, well, wait, why didn't they just bring it down from Alaska? Why do I have to go to Tennessee first? Yeah, well, and I will tell you, I've noticed, especially with Apple release time, I don't know how accurate some of that is. I, I think some of that gets uh, mixed up by, by FedEx and UPS and perhaps not unintentionally. Well, either way, it eventually showed up and I like it, but uh, uh, it is kind of cool seeing where everything comes in that way. You know, you've, you get to watch it come across the country and the notifications are great. The, the, you know, it gives you, you also get the notification on the watch, but I guess that's not, it's not the watch. They don't have a watch app. Oh, actually they do have a watch app, but I haven't used it. I just use the, the watch app is built in with the, with the iOS app. Yeah. But the, um, but I just, it, it, it's just like the answer to the problem. If you're looking forward to getting something in the mail, then get yourself deliveries. So let's go ahead and take our next break and talk about another sponsor who's been a longtime sponsor of the show, and that is our good friends over at Smile. And I cannot live without Text Expander. People ask me all the time, I get asked things like, well, what's the, you know, what are the top three apps that you can't live without? Or what are the apps that you can't, um, the first apps that you install on your computer? And I can tell you because I recently had to reinstall a bunch of stuff on my computer, and Text Expander was at the top of my list because my computer stops working if Text Expander's not on it. Uh, so Text Expander is one of those absolute must-have, cannot live without apps. Text Expander helps you communicate smaller. It helps you create snippets for things that you type or copy and paste all of the time. And it helps make it very easy for you to manage those snippets. And you can do simple things like email addresses, website addresses. Uh, you can even do things like today's date. Think about those uh, number of times that you, you type those things. And then think about the other things that you regularly are giving people, like, for example, directions to your house or instructions on how to connect to a conference call line. Uh, those are all text expander snippets that I used 
today, for example, um, reference requests, proposals, answers to common questions. If you have a form letter or a form email that you send out all of the time, text expanders can help you with all of those things. And you don't have to worry about people looking at you like you just sent them a form email or a form notice because text expander helps you make those snippets infinitely customizable with fill in fields and optional selections. It's really easy to customize those snippets so that you get exactly the information you want without spending a whole lot of time. You can just click, click, drag, drop, you know, grab from a pull down menu and boom, everything is ready to go. So you can personalize your response like dear, insert a name here. Uh, you can grab specific information so you can add specific paragraphs to a letter that maybe you need for some letters, but not for all. Uh, and you can even have a blank space so that you can type something custom or have something copy and pasted from your clipboard, um, even run Apple scripts. The possibilities are endless. So you can learn more about how you can power up your entire computing experience and even power up your whole team if you want to get into sharing snippets, which you can do by heading over to textexpander.com slash podcast. And when you sign up over there, please be sure to let them know that you heard about them from Mac Power users and you can get 20% off your first year. So again, head over to textexpander.com slash podcast. And thanks to our friends over at Smile for their continued support of the show. All right, Katie, I've got one, and uh, this is an app I'm pretty sure I've never mentioned on the show. Uh, well, last year when I was doing the iPhone field guide, and some, now that I'm doing more video stuff, I wanted to have a secondary video recording app on my iPhone and iPad. And I talked to some friends that are kind of in the business, and they all told me Filmic Pro is the app you want. And I so I bought it last year, and I love this app. It's a, uh, it's a replacement video camera for iPhone and iPad. And it's saying something that you would be interested in one because I think Apple does a pretty good job with recording video in the, in the native photos app or the native camera app. But Filmic Pro brings a bunch of stuff to the table that you wouldn't have otherwise. For instance, um, uh, you've got all these different picture format size. So if you want to shoot in Super 35 or Digital Camera Initiative, which is 17 by 9, it's, it supports that. Um, they've got audio frame rates, uh, 24, 25, 30, 48, 50, 60. So depending on what you want to do, um, I like that it's got a histogram on the screen that you wouldn't get with the native built-in application. It's just, I think it's just a better, you know, if someone spent all their time thinking about what's the best way to shoot video on this device, then this is the one. It's got, um, you know, that the motion um, sensitivity, so it tries to smooth out the motion if you want. It does a little different than the uh, built-in uh, camera app. I'm not sure which one's better, to be honest with you, because I've used them both. But the... Um, but it's just a very powerful uh, video camera app. And you always hear about third-party um, still camera apps. But Filmic Pro, I think, is without a doubt the best option for shooting video. And it's just $15. So it's half of our 30 over, under 30. 15 is probably a lot for an iOS app to a lot of people. But, man, this one, if you shoot video, you should have this one on your phone. Do we feel like that's changing any? I mean, are I, I feel like with the sub more apps are going towards subscriptions. I, I feel like developers who are really producing productivity apps are are getting a little bit less shy about charging more for their apps. And I, I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, all the ones that didn't are out of business. So <laughs> that's. Yeah. That's maybe that's what's happening. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. Uh, yeah. What's next on your list? All right. Next on my list, I installed again, um, Mojave. 
And when I did, it installed uh, Safari version 12. That was one of the big features of Mojave is we got a new version of Safari that did all of these great things for privacy and and everything. And all of a sudden, I started seeing these ads everywhere that I hadn't seen them before. What's what's going on here? Well, I use an ad blocker, and I, I know that some people love them, some people hate them, some people are morally opposed to ad blockers. Okay, um, not going to have that discussion. But I realized that when I upgraded to Safari version 12, and that could be whether you upgraded in uh, High Sierra or where you upgraded to Mojave and got Safari version 12, that lots of your extensions were disabled, and many of the extensions that you used to have no longer worked. In, um, in Safari version 12. And so you had to go get new versions of the extension. And Apple is specifically selling slash giving, depending on, on if the developer is charging for them, uh, new versions of these extensions uh, in the App Store. You used to just be able to go download the extensions from Apple's website, but now they've moved all of this stuff over uh, to the App Store. So I went and I, I looked in my trusty uh, ad block, did have a, uh, a, a version available in the ad store or at Mac App Store. Um, I believe it is free because it was showing as free for me. Maybe that's because I already had it or maybe because I already bought it. Um, but the AdBlock extension out of the uh, out of the Mac App Store, um, if you're wondering where your extensions went, you can probably go back and get most or many of them. Um, I'm still waiting for the new Ghostery Lite extension to show up, but there is a workaround if you have the old Ghostery extension and want to re-add it. So you can find that information on Ghostery's website. Yeah, there's a lot of, um, it seems like with Mojave, one of the things Apple did is really took a good look at the third-party plugin security, and and all of that stuff got dialed in a lot harder. So all the people making supporting apps, not only for Safari, but for Apple Mail, um, had to spend some time you know, getting into the new system. I, I had someone tell me um, in when I was in San Jose, uh, I didn't say anything on the show at the time because I didn't want to contribute to piracy or uh, or uh, or uh, you know problems with the operating system. But somebody told me they said, "Oh yeah, Apple Mail has always been the Apple Mail plugin system has always been a vulnerability of 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 the Mac OS that that hadn't been addressed." You know because it was you know when it was first added, it, people weren't thinking as much about security back then, and and the uh, the plugin developers had too much freedom and it was, you know, if somebody made a malicious one, they could have done a lot of damage. And with Mojave, that is completely fixed. And they, uh, like all of our favorite plugins, a lot of them went away, like, um, mail act on and, and mail tags went away, but they just, they're just coming back now. And and I think, you know, Apple's locking down. I, I really, I like Apple doubling down on security, but, um, it, it also can, uh, it can create some, some short-term pain for some long-term gain. Absolutely. Um, the next one I'm going to have is an app I occasionally mention, but I, we've never given it the attention it really deserves, and it's Liquid Text. They just released version 3.0 last month, or actually a couple months ago. And it's a it's a PDF app, but it's completely different than any other PDF app I've ever used. And you know, most PDF apps take on the idea of okay, here's a piece of paper. We're going to put it on the screen and then let you do things with it, like highlight and annotate and do things like that. But largely, it still treats them as the um, analog version, you know, as a document where you scroll through the pages. With Liquid Text, they've got this cool feature where you can pinch the PDF and it squeezes the text together 
uh, like it's something you could never do with a piece of paper, you know, just keep squeezing. If you've got a long document, you can squeeze multiple pages down so you can see two things right next to each other that are maybe five pages apart from each other. And it's a really, that's the main, you know, gimmick of this thing. Uh, gimmick's a bad word, but it's, it's the main like you, unique thing. Sure. Yeah. And the, um, but it's great. And I mean that in the best way. Uh, and, and the other thing is like you, it, you can collect notes and annotate on the right side of the screen and it kind of collects those together for you. It's just a different kind of PDF app and there's nothing like it. I really like what they've done with version 3.0. The pro version is, is, is comes in right under $30. I just barely got this one. And when, when we decided to do the show, I'm like, Oh, maybe I can talk about liquid text. And I made it by like pennies. But anyway, um, this is a really interesting PDF application. So, and it's for iOS, primarily the iPad. Um, if you spend time reading documents on iPad, this may be something worth checking out. Um, I know a lot of attorneys love liquid text. It's like, it's like, it's like a secret, you know, too many people like, you know, it's like the big secret. Oh, liquid text. Um, we need to get the word out because this is an app that really is interesting. So I talked about, um, ad block, the Safari extension on the Mac. I'm going to pick a related, that's not cheating, right? It's a different no. app. Oh. Okay. I'm going to pick, because you got on me before and I had to change some of my picks. Man, I'm I'm feeling bad now. I think okay. I, I got to like tone it down. Sorry. I feel like you're just enforcing the rules. That's fine. I'm a big rule follower. I, I um, just, yeah, I just felt like for once I was the one that was not breaking the rules. So I had to like, you know, call that out. Um, I'm going to pick a related um, app for iOS because I use a different one on iOS. I use OneBlocker on iOS. I think it's a OneBlocker and I don't know. I'm going to say it's one blocker 10. It could be one blocker X. I don't know these days what, how, what the proper pronunciation is. Um, it's available on iOS. It was 499. I believe that might be an introductory price. So it might be going up to 999. But, um, I have had some problems with content blockers on iOS, but they seem to have ironed a lot of the kinks out with this and it has a lot of features and it helps me. Um, solve a lot of the problems with page pages loading slow and seeing a lot of annoying things on iOS devices, particularly on the iPad. So, uh, you know, Apple added support for content blockers on, um, on iOS. Was it with iOS 11 that they did this? It feels like we've had it for a little while. I think it was 11. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been playing around with them for a while, but, um, one blocker 10 is just what I'm going to call it is the one that I've stuck with. And that's, so that's the winner for you. That's the winner for me for now. I've got one that uh, is a, a newly another newly updated application. Uh, whenever we come around to the topic of calculators on Mac Power users, quite often we talk about PCALC, you know, James Thompson's Tour de Force, which is an amazing calculator. But um, there's another one that I would like to give some uh, some uh, accolades to, and that's Power One. Um, and this is an app that has been on iPhone and iPad since largely the beginning. Um, I believe actually the development of this goes back even before iPhone that he was making it for. Um, it's, it's another one. It's like a small developer made calculator app. And uh, he was making, it, I believe, for even like PC and maybe Palm or something back in the day. But uh, this is an interesting app because it, it really kind of takes a solution based focus where it, it's almost, I guess, it's somewhere between a calculator and a fancy spreadsheet. And it, it has a bunch of calculation formulas built for you inside of it. Um, like they've got a bunch of business ones I use. I'm a business lawyer, so obviously I need some of those calculations pretty frequently. But they have them for construction, for unit conversion, finance, health and fitness, investing, 
advanced mathematics. They've got a whole set of templates for real estate calculations that people in real estate do all the time. So like interest and amortization and those types of things. Yeah, but even just like valuation stuff. It's great, you know, and and the developer's been working on this for ages. And so he really brought it, you know, any anytime someone sends him an idea for another like formula they set, he puts it together. And so if you've got some particular industry you're in and you want a calculator that just does the most common calculations for you in a way that's super dead simple, where it almost just opens up a form and you plug in a couple numbers and push a button and it spits a result out for you, this is the one. Um, like amortization is a good example. Power One generates an HTML-based amortization table. And I need those sometimes when I'm doing a deal for a client and we want an amortization table. And I've been using Power One to do that for years. And I just check it out. I attach it to the agreement, send it to opposing counsel. Everybody's really happy with it. And um, they can even email you the result if you want. Like sometimes I'll, like when I was back on a PC back at the old days at the old office, I'd have power one email me the amortization table and then I would drop it in on the PC side. But the, uh, I, I don't know. I, I feel like this is an app that doesn't get a lot of love, but if you're in an industry where you need kind of a calculation based set of uh, formulas, this will probably scratch the itch for you. And uh, just about any industry that could use a set of calculations, Power One probably has them. It's free now, but they're they and and uh, which is great. But they also have a, a subscription model that is if you've got a team and you want to share calculations. But I think for most people, the free version is going to be like that's all I use is the free version, and um, uh, I, I almost feel like guilty using it because this is one where I get so much value out of it. Um, it's odd that I'm not paying something for it, you know. I feel that way about some of these apps, but um, I'm 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 glad it's available. I I think the only concern I have with some of these is, you know, if they're free, are they necessarily going to stay around? So sometimes I try not to rely too much on the free ones, but but this one does it does have a a, a full pay version, so hopefully that's enough to to continue to keep the um, development going. Yeah, and and they've got, I'm sure they figured out the business model because they've been this this app has been in business. They've been doing uh, it long enough. Yeah, exactly. And and they probably make enough money off the high end users that they can they can get a lot of the the, the um, small time users in for free. But anyway, uh, it's a great app. Power One calculator. Um, I, it's it's not something. Well, it does have a calculator, and you can do all the normal calculator stuff. But I think where it really shines is those formulas. So I'm going to pick um, one that I think was the, the thing that I'm playing with a couple of weeks ago, and I've just continued to use it more and more, and that is Moom. And apparently, like I said, apparently this is an app that I downloaded um, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, and maybe even years ago when it originally came out. But it was kind of one of those apps where you download something and it, for whatever reason didn't stick at the time, or I tried it and, and didn't do anything with it, but... But now it's one of those things that I, for whatever reason, the time was right for for me and for Moom, and uh, I am using it all the time now. So I've I've got a fairly large display on my desktop, and it's enough space that I like to have stuff on one side, stuff on another. I can have two full screens side by side, and you know maybe what really started me thinking about this was side by side apps on on iOS. But Moom makes it very easy for you to manage your windows. Uh, you can do it with the mouse. You can do it with a keyboard shortcut. But you can very quickly position your windows to take a full screen, to take a half screen, half to the left, half to the right, half to the top, half to the bottom. 
Um, and then even customize your windows um, in different areas. You can um, save and restore specific screen layouts. So if you have specific apps that you always want to have pop up in specific places, or if you want to be able to um, create custom um uh, what they call them snap to corners. So you can quickly move a uh, snap to a corner and make a window snap over into that corner. You can create, they have a snap to edges and corner fix uh, a feature. So you can grab a window and drag it to an edge or a corner. And then when you let go, um, it will automatically resize a window to a specific size. So I've got one that if I throw uh, a window up in the edge of a screen, it will resize it to half the size of the, of the main display. Uh, it's, it's really convenient for allowing me to quickly take a window that may be an odd size and then quickly throw something in one corner, something another, and boom, um, I've now got two side-by-side -side windows um, that I can easily get work done on. So I, I use it all the time now. I love it. Yeah, I think this is something that everybody should pay attention to. If you're listening to the show and you don't have, whether it's Moom or Keyboard Maestro or some method to automate window placement on your device, on your Mac, this is something that you should spend, just spend 30 minutes on this weekend or next time you've got some downtime because it saves you so much time. I mean, as soon as, like Katie, right? As soon as you started using this app, you found, immediately you found multiple uses for it. Like, have you, have you automated your podcast setup with Moom yet? I need to. I should spend a few minutes to do that. I don't know why I don't. You can. I mean, and you can have it go and, you know, put the microphone, put the uh, the recording app on one part of the screen and the, you know, the, the document in Safari on another part. I mean, once you start, you use it once and you realize how easy it is. If there's no reason not to, like you can have a morning planning screen where let's say you've got Outlook on the left and Word on the right, or you've got your afternoon screen. Uh, all this stuff is trivial to make with an application like Moom. And for a Mac Power user, this is the kind of thing that's your bread and butter. I mean, you do this and it just makes your life easier, makes it easy, you know, removes that bit of friction between, you know, thinking about your work and getting your work done so you can go home. I I'm a big fan of apps like this. Uh, I'm glad, Katie, you're getting into it. I hope in the future show you'll share with us some of your scripts and some of your uh, your favorite ways of automating with Moom. Yeah, it's funny. I haven't thought to automate my podcast setup. I've done other things, but no, not that one. So uh, I'll, I'll set that up this weekend, maybe even after we get off the call. I don't know. So I do it with Keyboard Maestro. One of the things I can do with Keyboard Maestro is have it open a specific URL. So it actually goes to the Mac Power Users Google Doc, and that just pops up for me. I don't know. Can you do that with Moom? I'm not sure if you can or not. But the um, but it's great, you know, having that stuff just happen for you. Um, you can arrange windows based on certain certain criteria and save a snapshot of how you want those windows to look. So I am going to take a, a quick break here to talk about our next sponsor, and that's our friends over at the Omni Group, and they have released OmniFocus version three for the Mac. Hallelujah. I'm so happy that this app is out. I'm a big fan of OmniFocus, as anybody who's ever listened to the show knows. And now we've got parity between OmniFocus for the Mac and iOS. This new version is great. They made some design changes that make it kind of update it a little bit, modernize the application, but they didn't change it just for the sake of change. Everything they did made the app more efficient. I really like that dark sidebar they've got down the side now. And I just like the way they've kind of they've cleaned up and made the icons a little friendlier, but, but it goes way beyond design stuff. Uh, OmniFocus now fully supports tags and I am, you know, I am fully with that. I love these tags. I've, I'm using them for all sorts of things. I talked about that uh, on the show a few weeks ago, 
But I do feel like uh, having multiple ways to access your tasks makes it easier for you to get appropriate work done at the appropriate times. And OmniFocus makes that dead simple. One of the things I love about tags with OmniFocus is you don't have to go through your tag hierarchy and, you know, go through a bunch of clicks and mouse uh, presses to attach a tag to a task. You can just type a first letter or two, and OmniFocus is smart enough to figure that out and attach it, just like it's always done for projects. You can even automate that with OmniFocus, where you can have automatically apply the tags, so you get the benefit at the hind end of having those tags applied without any downside of having to spend your time adding tags to tasks. Uh, They just did a great job with that. Um, project groups are still there, perspectives there, all the features you love are still there. Review is even better and cleaner than ever. So if you want to use that review, and I highly recommend you do, they make it easier than ever to get into that on the Mac. And everything syncs beautifully over to your iOS devices. So stuff you do on your Mac is going to show up on your iPad and iPhone. It's just a, uh, it's just a, I feel like it's the gold standard of task management apps and the Omni groups works worked really hard on this new version three. So you should check it out. They've got two versions. There's a standard version and a pro version. And depending on what you want to do, you can make your own decision. They've got a way to get an upgrade. If you've got a prior version of the application. So head over to the Omni slash Omni focus, check out all those new features, download the trial on your Mac and check it out. And uh, thank you. Omni focus for all of your support of the Mac power users and helping me keep my life together with your amazing application. Uh, so my next pick I think is um, other than the free ones, probably one of my least expensive picks. And it was um, brought to my attention by friend of the show, Tim Stringer, and it's called tooth fairy. And we both love our AirPods, And I think these, the AirPods are perhaps one of the most delightful things that Apple has released in a long time. They they just, they make me so happy. I, I can't really describe it. Uh, it. They are everything that headphones should be. I kind of wish I had multiple pairs of AirPods because I don't carry them around in my pocket like you do. I, I you know, and I don't always have my purse with me, depending. Sometimes I have them in my purse or I have them in my briefcase or I, you know, I want, I want to have a pair of AirPods at, at my work. I want to have a pair of AirPods here um, on my desk at home. I would have an AirPods, pair of AirPods upstairs and downstairs. But, you know, anyway, I love my AirPods. And AirPods are great when pairing to iOS devices, but AirPods are not so great when it comes to pairing with a Mac. You can do them because they get treated just like Bluetooth headphones in your Mac, but um, it's it's a little bit more of a convoluted process. So there is a really simple uh, menu bar app. It's three bucks in the Mac App Store, and it's called Tooth Fairy. And I thought that was a clever name because a lot of people have said that the uh, the AirPod container looks like a dental floss. And so what it will do is it will tell you at a glance, you can click on the menu to um, pair and unpair your AirPods. And it not only works with AirPods, but it works with any Bluetooth device. So you can connect headphones, speakers, game controllers, keyboards, mice. Um, The uh, HomePod is not supported at this point because apparently it's not a Bluetooth audio device. But um, you just click the little Tooth Fairy icon in your dock or excuse me, in your menu bar. And you can quickly and easily um, connect your devices. So with one click, you can get connected and then you can get disconnected. Um, you know, talking about carrying your, your AirPods in your pocket, we, we were talking at the dinner table the other night and, you know, cause I, I'm surrounded by women. I have two daughters and my wife and they were all talking about how guys get 
get off much better with our pants than they do in terms of what we can carry around in our pockets. And, um, that led to the family making fun of me because I have the best pair of pants in the world. Uh, do you guys have REI on the East Coast? I know what it is. It's like a um, it's 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 like an Eddie Bauer type shop. It's um, exactly so REI makes these. Um, it's like an outdoor shop, right? But they we happen to have one here, and they sell an REI branded pair of pants and shorts called Sahara. I'm going to put a link in the show notes. This, this has a payoff for the listeners. And uh, wait, are the pants less than 30 bucks? Cause I don't think that qualifies. No, I, this is a, this is a side thing. This is a side thing. Okay. I, maybe you can get them on sale for under 30 bucks, but sometimes I think they, they retail more like 40, but the, um, but they're, it's, they have shorts and they have pants and they're cargo pants, which I know it's a total dad thing to love cargo pants, but I like having lots of pockets, but they have a little tiny pocket on the outside of the cargo pant pocket. And it's, I don't know what you're supposed to put in it. It's REI. So maybe you're supposed to put your bullets in there or, you know, I don't know your, your outdoor radio batteries. I don't know what it's supposed to be made for, but it's got a Velcro top to it and a little tab you pull on. So it's Velcroed at the top at all times. It is the perfect size for AirPods. You can just open that. It's like a little tiny AirPod pocket built right into the pants. And because I'm manic, I have like, five pairs of these pants and like five pairs of these shorts because that's all I wear, Katie. I mean, one of the nice things about not having to go in the office every day is I, I don't have to dress like a lawyer every day. I can, I can cheat, you know? And when it's hot out, I put the Sahara shorts on. When it's cold out, I put the Sahara pants on. And my family thinks I'm crazy. But one of the advantages of these pants are you got your own AirPod pocket. So I'm going to put it in the show notes. If anybody out there wants to get themselves some Sahara pants, these are the ones. This is the AirPod accessory. I feel like there could be a whole thread in the forum devoted to what is the pocket actually for. There's probably an answer. Yeah, well, go to talk.macpowerusers.com and let me know. I'm, I hope it's exciting. I hope it involves like dynamite or bear trap or something like that. But uh, I use them for AirPods. What's your next pick? Uh, you got me excited. I, I'm going to the REI site to look at pants now. Hold on a second here. <laughs> you have enough. That's fine. Do you have them in multiple colors or do you... Just stick with the khaki. I have um, I have two khaki. I have gray and I have blue. So I have four pair of the pants. And um, and then a couple of years ago, I went crazy and bought some of the convertibles where they have ones that have like a zipper at the short level where you can take the bottom of the pants off and make it a pant or a short. And uh, I'm not a fan of those. You know, I don't like all the extra bulk of all those zippers. I just, you know, I, I can make a decision. Is this a short stay or a pants day? I, I'm good with that. Uh, all right. Uh, so my next pick is um, an app that uh, you know this is a this is a standard on Mac Power users, but it's under thirty dollars. They do, they do have a subscription plan now, and I wanted to kind of call out Drafts. You know, Drafts is an amazing application for capturing text and automation on your iOS device. You know, it's it's uh, one of the few apps that seems to always be in my dock because I can just tap it and start talking or typing and quickly capture text on my devices. And over the years, uh, Greg, the developer at Agile Tortoise, keeps adding more and more powerful automation to it. He's basically built the JavaScript language into the app now so you can fully automate it. Some people have turned drafts into like their own notes apps and just crazy, crazy stuff they're doing with this simple app. But I love it. I love the way that it has a complication on your Apple Watch where you can just tap it and start talking and then it saves the text to a, a reliable place on your phone. 
um, something that is on the drafts forums. They also have their own forum and something I, I think I can say this. If not, I guess I'll get in trouble, but he's working on a version for the Mac. So you'll be able to have drafts in the menu bar on your Mac. And that's going to be amazing, right? And uh, I think you're going to have to be a subscriber to get access to that. I don't, I don't really know what his plan is. But um, it's just, you know, everybody wants a place to quickly put text. And Giraffes not only gives you that, it also gives you a way to take that text and do uh, really powerful things with it. So I would strongly recommend, if you haven't tried Giraffes, to give it a shot. Um, uh, and this is another thing where I mentioned earlier, the idea of removing little if you remove just a little bit of friction from a problem, it becomes so much easier to solve. And I really believe the idea of capturing text where you can just tap an icon and start adding the text without having to create a new file or decide what folder it belongs into. Um, that really simplifies that process. And I find that when I use drafts, I'm very productive. So, so check that app out. Also, I'd add, I have, I have some free videos on that at learn.maxsparky. I'll put a link for that in so you can watch some videos on it. Uh, drafts, I actually keep it on my dock. Yeah, me too. I've been playing around a lot lately. At some point, we'll have to talk about this on the show where I've been making these Siri shortcut based icons. Yeah, that's just ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> wow. It's like you hurt me. No, it's uh, it's a little weird, David. I got to tell you, it's a little weird. No, I, I've been having I've been having fun with it, but the uh, I, I think the ultimate solution for me is to put it in the um, widget bar because I don't like the way when you launch a from a series shortcut it goes into the series shortcuts app and it looks kind of wonky. But the um, but the idea of contextual based um, icons on your home screen, like I've got one for Max Sparky, and it's just an icon. If I click it, it opens a menu. Like go to my node to the outline for the new field guide I'm working on. So it goes straight to that file in my node or um, go to the perspective and OmniFocus where I plan the next things I'm going to do in Max Sparky and set a timer for that. And it's like, so it's, it's not limiting itself to a single application. Like another one would be that's in that one is go to Ulysses and open up a new note in the Max Sparky folder. Cause I want to write a blog post or, you know, so, so it's the whole idea of this, this icon is that it's the central place that I do anything related to Max Sparky. I just tap on that and I've got a menu of things available. And obviously like that one that takes me to the outline for the next field guide is only going to be there until the next field guide is done. And then that one will leave and something else will replace it. And uh, I like the idea of contextually based triggers on the home screen of the phone. And it's all done with Siri shortcuts, but drafts, is always going to be there. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, somebody said, well, could you replace all of your icons, all of your home screen apps with icons? No, I couldn't because drafts has to be there because there's nothing better. There's nothing faster than drafts. You tap it and you start typing. I did a video on it. You know, when I published that video, I said, Katie is going to hate this. I watched it. I saw it. <laughs> I, I like how you finished that sentence. <laughs> Just can we, it was the verbal equivalent of ellipses. Uh, my next pick is an audio app for Mac, and it's something that as podcasters is we use all the time, but I think at $19, it's something that a lot of people could find general purpose use. It's just one of these good tools to have in your toolbox, and that is Piezo. It's made by our friends Rogue Amoeba, who make amazing audio software for Mac. They make great software for Mac, period, but they make, you know, they make audio hijack and those types of things. And I kind of consider this like a, an audio hijack light. If you don't want to spend the money to get in, you don't need the full-fledged audio hijack. You just need the ability to quickly grab some kind of audio on your 
Mac and record it. Uh, Piezo is the app that will do that very simply. Um, it's got a cute kind of charming little uh, interface. It kind of dates back to the skeuomorphic days. They haven't updated it. Uh, I mean, they've updated the app, but they haven't updated the interface, but it, it's fine. It works. And very simple. Uh, you pick a source and it can be an application. It can be right now. Piezo is recording the Skype call. It can be a device. It can be a microphone. It can be a, a web page. It can be um, anything, an app or a device on your Mac. And you tell it um, a few couple simple presets that it has. And then you just click a button and tell it to start recording. And it's one step. It will hijack the audio from uh, that particular app. It will record it and it will save it. So you can do things like um, record audio from the web. You can um, save streaming uh, streams that you might need to archive for later. You can save a Skype call. Um, it's it's really simple. And again, at 19 bucks, it's you know in reach of anybody who might need to do this occasionally. Yeah, my, my wife wanted a, um, an audio file of the Disneyland Parade music. And they don't sell it for whatever reason. But somebody online had a good recording of it. And I PAs at that. And then I was a hero to my wife. So be surprised what you can use it for. Just make sure that you're recording things that you're supposed to be recording. Yes, I was. I'm so sure I was. I'm sure I was. Okay. The um, but the uh, so I um, what was I going to tell you? The uh, I'm looking at the list, gang, and Katie's like bringing it on the bottom half of this. I feel now I'm starting to feel a little nervous because I think her picks are getting better and mine are you know aren't as as good as hers. So we'll see. But uh, my next one is uh, a, another standard, but one that I think deserves calling out is that's Fantastical. I mean, Fantastical for iOS is $10. Um, it's crazy how powerful this calendar app is and how easy it is to run your calendar with Fantastical. I mean, all that great um, uh, you know, uh, stuff where you can dictate or type in a calendar event and it just automatically pulls that date parsing out for you is, is amazing. But it's also really good as a day-to-day calendar run. Like I, I block a lot of my time as we've talked about on the show and when fantastic calendar week view is golden, you can duplicate events and move them around way more powerful than the built-in calendar app that Apple ships and uh, an easy spend at $10. I want to take a minute and uh, talk about our last sponsor for this episode, and that is our good friends over at 1Password. Uh, you can learn more and save by heading over to onepassword.com slash MPU. So iOS 12, as we know, was released. It's been a couple of weeks, maybe a month or so now since that came out. But I will tell you the feature that I have used and looked forward to more probably than any other in iOS 12 is the ability for 1Password to autofill passwords and information in Safari. Now, since the beginning of iOS, 1Password has always figured out ways to automatically fill your passwords. They were there very early on with bookmarklets, and then they got the 1Password share sheet extension, and that was huge. And now 1Password built into iOS has the ability to autofill passwords based on the filling technology that was opened up to third-party apps in iOS 12. So this means that it has never been easier than ever before to have access to all of your 1Password information natively within Safari without having to open a share sheet, without having to do anything else. You just tap on a username or password field, and after you've enabled it, it's, you have easily the ability to touch a button. It will automatically go into 1Password, retrieve your information, and automatically fill it for you. So it's never been easier to keep your passwords in sync from your Mac to your iOS devices and all around back through. 
1Password makes it so easy for you to have strong, unique passwords across all of your devices. There really is no excuse now not to be using a password manager like 1Password because it's the single best thing that you can do to help up your password security game. It will do things like store your usernames, it will store your passwords, it can store credit card information, it can store secure notes, it can store all of your pass, uh, your uh, software licenses. I used that a lot when I was rebuilding my Mac. We'll talk a little bit more about that, I think, on a future episode. Um, and again, there's no good reason now. People were saying, oh, it's such a hassle to use these passwords, it's a hassle to fill it in. Not anymore. They've made it super easy. So you can set this up by going into the settings, um, going into passwords and accounts, and then tap the setting for autofill passwords. You can easily turn on autofill passwords and select one password from the options. So you can make it as easy as ever to access your information. If you're not a one password subscriber, it's never been easier before to do this. So head on over to onepassword.com slash MPU. Learn more about using one password for yourself, for your family, and for your team, and get to fill in your passwords. Thanks, one password, for your continued support of the show. All right, I think it's uh, my turn to to pick an app now, and um, uh, one that I I have used forever, and I think is a great bargain at twenty seven ninety five is Super Duper. Uh, Super Duper is uh, a cloning uh, backup utility. It does um, a very simple interface, very simple job, and it's one of those apps that I bought years and years and years ago, and it still works and it's still updated over all of these years. Um, you know, I recently had to send my my Mac back to Apple to to get some stuff worked on. It came back; it seems to be working a lot better now. But of course, before I sent my Mac off, I cloned it a couple of times to a bunch of different hard drives. Uh, sure enough, when my Mac came back, it did not come back with the same hard drive that it left with. So I, I did end up having to restore all of my data. And I had no concerns. It was no worries because I had a clone backup of my data. And all kinds of backups are great. I had a cloud backup. I had a time machine backup. But if you really want to get back up and running quickly, having a clone backup is the fastest way to do that. And I think Super Duper is probably one of the easiest and least expensive ways to do that. All right, I got one. Uh, this one is a steal. It's a dollar on the iOS store, and it's a dollar on the Mac store, and it's called Gladys. Uh, back when we were talking about releasing iOS 11, when they were adding the, the features for the iPad, everybody wanted, and, and Federico wrote about this at his website, uh, the idea of a shelf on the iOS 12 operating system for, for iPad. You know, the, the ability to put files in a temporary holding place while you were jumping between apps. And Apple didn't give us that, but they gave the sharing features to allow us to make that. And there was this gold rush of shelf apps that showed up. And Gladys, to me, is the winner. It's a shelf app that allows you not only to put data, but like links and text and just about anything I've ever needed, I can just drop on the Gladys shelf. So I save it as an it's an app in my dock on my iPad, and I just open it up with the sidebar or you know where it can swipe in from the side, or I'll even give it you know a quarter of the screen with the screen splitting on iOS. And whenever I'm doing something where I'm moving a lot of files between one thing and another thing, like maybe I'm making graphics in OmniGraffle and moving them over to Keynote or just anything, um, uh, Gladys does it for me. And then the last year they came out with the Mac app as well, and it uses iCloud to synchronize that stuff across. So I can even put stuff on my Gladys shelf on my Mac and then access it later on my iPad or iPhone. It's just a great little shelf app and a super handy utility if you're moving files around on a single device or between Apple devices. 
My only complaint is the icon. I don't really like the icon that much, but yeah, it's kind of a weird outcome. Yeah, but but it's worth it. Uh, it's it, it was shocking to me when I went and saw to, to do the prep for the show. This thing was only a dollar. I thought I paid more for that, but the um, but it, it's absolutely worth a dollar. I mean, uh, try it out. I have recently started using Waze, W-A-Z-E, as a navigation app. I always had Waze installed on my phone, and I was really looking forward to when I was 12 that Waze can now work with CarPlay. They didn't quite have it available on launch, but it is is now available. And I've been using this more and more in my car. I will tell you, it's got a few little bugs in it. Um, it has not been super smooth. I, those have gotten better and better, I think, with the with little updates, and I'm I'm sure it's something they will continue to work out. But I like Waze because it is a it's it's a maps app. I'm not a huge fan of the um, the interface. The interface is a little, little cartoony. I think was a word that you used to describe it. Is that the word you used when we were talking about it last time? You got some heat for that. Oh, I took a lot of grief for that. You know, the guy that goes to Disneyland all the time. Yeah, I got that. <laughs> well, but I, I think that's a that's an apt uh, uh, description of it. And I think I can say that because I, I don't particularly care for that style. But the, the thing that I really like about Waze is, number one, it seems to be super accurate. And it has a, a very accurate way of routing you around traffic, where I never really trusted Apple Maps to do that. If Apple Maps is, especially around town, telling me to go one way, I'm like, yeah, no, I don't think so. I think this other way is better. Um, Waze seems to be very accurate about saying, take this route, take this route, um, because it, it knows what's coming ahead. The other thing that it does is it allows other users, and it seems to be pretty actively used, at, at least in my area, to report things, to report um, cars that are stalled on the side of the road, to report hazards, to report traffic delays, uh, to report law enforcement officers who may be on the roadways. Uh, and I have found that very reliable. And uh, that's nice. You know, I talked about Gladys being the shelf app that goes between platforms. There's another sort of shelf app that's Mac only that I think it deserves some attention. It's called Drop Zone. It's ten dollars in the Mac App Store, and it goes in your menu bar on the Mac, and it allows you to do that shelf feature where if you have something that you need to move from one place to another, you can just put it in Drop Zone. And this is, I think, very useful on laptops where you have limited screen space and sometimes maybe even using full screen apps. But I haven't used it on my iMac because it's just you know often I've got overlapping windows and I've got this graphic I want to drop into a ScreenFlow video or something. And I can just put it on DropZone and pull it down. But the reason why I want to really recommend DropZone is it has a lot of automation built into it where you can create uh, a sort of script. And I use the word script very loosely. But you can tell it to do things. Like I can say, uh, like I can put a copy of my action folder. You know, I talk about the action folder on the show that is where Hazel does all its magic. It's the It's the collection point on my Mac for files. And I have an action folder in Drop Zone. And I've told Drop Zone, if I drop something on the action folder, I want you to move it to the action folder. I don't want you to copy it there. I want you to move it. And so, like, I get a receipt on my desktop because sometimes I have a file on my desktop for a couple hours. I just put it on the action folder in Drop Zone. Um, and it just immediately disappears off the desktop into the action folder. And Hazel does its thing. Another one I may use, and this is really going to make Katie crazy, is I have one for my desktop because maybe I'm working on something where I want to put a file on a desktop. Yes, I actually want to put a file on my desktop, but I have a thing in Dropzone that does that, but it 
it doesn't move it there. It copies it there. So I always keep the source wherever it was. I just made a copy because I wanted to add it to a keynote or do something with it. And, uh, and I always want to copy it to the desktop and that way I can delete it from the desktop later, make sure Katie doesn't get mad at me and I don't lose the original. So, so drop zone has this ability to kind of script the way you handle files with a drag and drop. And, uh, that makes it a very powerful little app to have on your Mac. So um, I'm going to pick an app that we've talked about before, but just recently got an update, and that is Do. Do got an update to version 3.0. I like Do because it's the great little reminders app that will keep reminding you of something until you actually do it. So it's great for things that have to be done right now. And I have a handful of things in Do at any given time that I don't want to put in my normal reminder system. So version 3.0 of the Do app brought three main new features. Um, the first is haptic feedback, uh, which has been implemented throughout the app. It's nice. It will um, give you a, a little reminder or a little little kickback when you're you're doing something, and uh, it's just it's just a nice touch to the app. It's it's you know doesn't. It's not a necessary feature, but it's a nice feature. Uh, the other feature it added is a pure black theme, which I have converted to, which looks great on the OLED display of the newer iPhones. Uh, but then the feature that is really, um, uh, for me, a game changer that is is probably the money feature here uh, is it allows custom snooze times for notifications. So normally you could snooze, you know, something um, you, you give three snooze options. You can snooze something for 15 minutes or you could say whatever the default snooze was or you could snooze it for a day. Um, but now you have an option to give a custom snooze notification. So this is when do remind you of something, you can say, um, no, remind me again, um, whatever the default snooze notification was. And now you can say, no, uh, for this particular thing, remind me again at a particular time. Remind me um, either a, a certain time from now or remind me at a particular time. And that's great for certain times of uh, types of reminders because maybe you're at dinner or maybe you're somewhere else, but you want to be reminded again at a particular time. You don't have to keep snoozing, 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 snoozing because you know you're at a place where you're not going to be able to do that right now. And I know we're getting, uh, we still got several to cover and we're trying to move a little faster, but I have to admit, I got a do notification while Katie was talking about do. So hit the plus one hour button. I'm good. Uh, pop clip is another Mac app and it, it gives you that feature on the, you know, on the iPad where you select text and it gives you a pop-up set of things you can do with the text. Uh, pop clip is like that on the Mac, but way better. It gives you even more power. Like one of my favorites is title case. I can select text and just press the, the T button and it automatically converts it to title case. Uh, you can even run scripts from it. You can add things to OmniFocus. You can run Google searches. Uh, you can get a word count. Um, there's a whole bunch of plugins for it. It's uh, kind of mind-bending how much you can do with it. And uh, it's an app that's only 10 bucks that everybody that spends any time working with text on their Mac should look at. All right, I'm going to pick one that I, I've talked about before, but I don't think in a while, and that is Scanner Pro. Um, it, it maintains on my home screen. It is my document scanner on iOS of choice because when I'm out and about and I need to take a quick scan of a receipt that I can send to my CPA or a scan of a document, um, it allows me to very quickly grab a picture of something. It will convert it to a PDF. It can be a multi-page document, and I can either save it to my phone, I can save it to a cloud service, or they have, I'm going to call them custom workflows because they are 
built a lot like workflows that I can run to create custom actions on something and save them to a particular folder or to a particular service. So I use these, for example, for, um, uh, you know, saving, um, you know, expenses or uh, keeping track of certain reports, things that I know that I do regularly, I've created certain workflows for um, in Scanner Pro. And uh, boom, I just take the photos and it's done. And uh, a lot of times if you ask someone to scan something for you, they'll just send you a picture of it. And Scanner Pro has the ability to go into your photos app and take that and then turn it into a PDF. So Everybody needs one of these types of apps on their phone. There's no reason for someone to send you a, a photo when they should really be sending you a PDF. And this is my my app of choice for that. Uh, I've got one here that um, I really think people who use the Mac, if you've ever had a problem finding a file on your Mac, this is an app that you should check out. And I was really glad that the price of this just fit in to the 30 under 30. It's $29. It's called Hudaspot. H-U-D-A-H-S-P-O-T. It's got a single developer, the guy who's, who's behind it. He's been making it for ages. I remember meeting him at Macworld like a long time ago. I think maybe even before the Mac Power users existed. He was there with his dad at Macworld. And it's just an amazing app to find stuff on your Mac. You know, we've got the Finder and Finder has tokens and there's all these things you can do with Finder. But I still find sometimes it's not, it doesn't give me enough granularity to get to where I really need to be. I've got thousands and thousands of files on my document, on my, on my, on my drive. So like with Hootaspot, I can say, give me an app that has the name that contains the word invoice and the text contains the name Acme. And uh, it was made sometime between 90 and 120 days ago. And, you know, and it's on this location. So, I mean, they have so much, so many details you can have in finding a file. And uh, Hootaspot, if there's ever been something you couldn't find on your Mac or it was just you got a list of 100 files and you had to, like, spend your time digging through them to find the exact one you wanted, Hootaspot will help you do that. It's a it's a great little app by a by a, a, just a quality person and a, and a, I don't know. I, I just like these little uh, sole developers that make apps that make my, you know, make uh, me more productive and allow me to get my work done faster. And this is one. Well, my last pick, I started with a subscription service and I'm going to end with a subscription service uh, is iTunes match. I know David, you're a big Apple music fan and we've talked for all of the reasons on the show that I am not, and I don't need to subscribe to a music service. But iTunes Match is my happy compromise. It's 25 bucks a year, and it allows me to sync my music up into the cloud, uh, keep it in sync on all of my devices without having to plug in a cable, but more importantly, have access to all of my music anywhere in my house because I, my, it's the way that that music gets synced up to my various HomePods. So iTunes Match is what lets that happen, and I kind of wish that I could do this with uh, all my iCloud uh, space because I feel like I have enough space that I pay for already on iCloud to do this. But until Apple decides to let me do that, which they won't, uh, iTunes Match is the service that lets me do all that. So it's a lot less expensive for, than subscribing to Apple Music for services that I don't need, and it works. You know, on, on that subject, my very non-geek sister uh, recently got an, a HomePod and she's always been an Apple Music subscriber. And she was just telling me that it is her favorite Apple purchase in many years. You know, and it was just interesting context for someone who doesn't listen to Mac Power users and think about Siri shortcuts. But just the idea that you can call out any music you want in the world and it just comes out in your kitchen anytime you ask for it. It's pretty powerful. 
Um, all right. The uh, oh, and also her, my two and a half year old niece uh, now plays music through it. She's she's figured it out. <laughs> uh, for some reason, I've got a couple left. I think we got off. Yeah, I feel like you got out of order somehow. But anyway, um, uh, so I'll, I'll go over them relatively quickly. I know we've been going at this a while. Uh, first is I wanted to put a game in, and the game I'm picking is Alto's Odyssey. It came out last year. It's five dollars. It's a endless skier. He's skiing through the desert on a snowboard or a ski board or a sandboard or whatever. It's super fun and relaxing. It's not tense at all like some of these games can be. The music soundtrack is amazing. And I love it because you spend $5 on it and it doesn't bug you for buying additional coins. It's not like one of those games that tries to get in your head. It's just something to do to relax when you have a little downtime. It's great on your phone. And I wanted to pick an analog pick for this. So I picked one. Uh, the, uh, about a year ago, I bought a Baron Fig Confidant, which is a little notebook with dot with a what they call dot grid. So it's really nice quality paper and there are dots on it. So you can draw lines between the dots to make the page look exactly how you want it to. It's $22. And I got the jumbo one, the, the big one. I guess it's the plus size, they call it. And it's as big as a 10.5 inch iPad, more or less. So you can put that in your 10.5 inch iPad in your bag and you are all ready to be like a hipster nerd with a fancy pencil or pen and a notebook or your iPad. And uh, I like that. I'll put a link in the show notes for it. That wasn't a software-related pick. I know. I just wanted to have fun, Katie. I broke the rules at the end. See? I waited until the end to break my rules. Well, we'll have links to everything that we talked about in the show notes. I think that will wrap us up for another. And I think we're, we're good on these, uh, these so many under so many episodes for a while. Thanks to our sponsors for this episode. That's going to be Luna, Smile, Omni, and 1Password. And if you have picks under $30 that we did not include, you can add the join to that discussion uh, in our forums over at talk.macpowerusers.com. And so we look forward to continuing that discussion with you, and we will see you all next time. Music.